This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, look, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And it's down the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey everybody, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. And I just want to thank everybody for listening. I know Justin does a great job sharing this on Facebook, putting it up on the site. Uh, We blast it all over Twitter. And then uh, I share snippets as well on my radio station every week. Talking Ducks. Last week we were talking about how Oregon loses Coach Williams. Right. And oh, that was so horrible. Oh, the sky is falling. And now Mario's found another assistant coach. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, uh, a real nice, and I don't want to call it seamless, but it just, it sure seems, it sure appears as though it may be somewhat seamless to, you know, go in and get Rod Chance, who was, who was on your staff as an analyst before. Um, you know, Rod Chance, a lot of people forget, prior to coming to Oregon, was a defensive coordinator. I believe at Georgia Southern was a school, much smaller school, but it was a defensive coordinator there. So you talk about a guy that knows all three levels, that understands defense and not just how the secondary ties into it. Um, went to uh, Minnesota uh, the one year he was there this past year. And just, I don't have it in front of me, but I know that their their uh, their pass defense dropped significantly. The rankings mm-hmm. they went from you know in the fifties or sixties down to the I believe in the twenties. Right. Um, really right. drastic improvements for one year. And conversely, you know, uh, as much as I I like uh, Coach Williams, Dante Williams, and I like what he did at Oregon, and I think he's a good guy. You know, Oregon's uh, pass defense was in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's room to grow. I mean, I'm not saying it's all, you know, Dante Williams' fault by any means. Clearly, Keith Hayward's coaching the, the safeties. But uh, you wonder if, if Rod Chance can come in and maybe help with that, at least. Yeah. I think back to something you said last week when you talked about the hypothetical of if you're Mario Cristobal, what are you looking for? Right. And you pointed out, hey, there's this trend in the college football, and you see it in the NFL of hire a defensive backs coach that can help as a a pass game coordinator. Right. Help with scheming your pass coverages as a as a defense, not just your back four, but as a back seven. Right. And if I see, okay, this guy has been a assistant coach in Power Five football. Yeah. This guy's been an assistant coach in the Big Ten in the SEC. He's been an analyst for Mario Cristobal. Yep. So he already speaks his language. And he's been a DC. Right. I don't care where he was a DC, right. but he's been a DC. That tells me this guy could be not just a really good cornerbacks coach, yeah. but maybe a pass game coordinator. Yeah, yeah. My, I mean, it'll just, you know, it'll be interesting. It's one of those things where we talk about versatility, and, you know, a lot of times we apply that to the team, to, you know, versatility on the offensive line or whatever the case might be. It's really nice to have that as a coaching staff, guys that that kind of bleed over into other areas and, and can help. Um, I mean, Bobby Williams is a perfect example for Oregon. You know, obviously hired on to be the special teams guy, but has since adapted the tight ends role. It's nice to have a guy like Bobby Williams that has been a head coach before and been an assistant coach at nearly 
all position, uh, at nearly all positions in his career, in his in his thirty year plus career. So you've got a guy like that that's versatile and can bleed over into other areas, and I think that helped Coach Arroyo a little bit this last year, not having to to kind of deal with the tight ends, um, you know, so much this past season. So, uh, you know, a guy like Coach Chance, if anything happens to Coach Hayward or Coach Avalos or whatever the case might be, because let's just brace ourselves for the one truth. There's going to be continued staff turnover at Oregon. Yes. As long as Mario Cristobal's there. Yes. And it's that's only a, a matter good of time. Thing. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. And this is a good thing. I, I talked about this on my show yesterday. Avalos gets a head coaching job at UNLV, and mm-hmm. Duck fans want to celebrate. And I don't blame you, but. You mean a Royal? Uh, yes. Yeah, Arroyo. I, I, I know what you're saying. Okay. I, I am running yeah. on fumes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't slept well for two days. Um, Arroyo gets right. a UNLV job. Duck fans are thrilled. Not so much if Andy gets a head coaching job next year. Agreed. But anyway. That was because UNLV liked what he was doing at Oregon. Yeah. They saw the Ducks winning. They saw his contribution to the Ducks winning, and they wanted that. Yeah. Same goes for when you talked about Washington State looking at Jim Mastro. Yeah. They saw the success the Ducks were having. They wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. That's going to happen, and that's healthy. That's good. You yeah. want that. Yeah. I mean, if honestly, if, if folks aren't copying you at some point, you're not doing a good enough job to be emulated. And so, you know, we've seen it in some of the stuff we do just from our work, getting copied elsewhere. And that's the nature of the beast. It means we're doing a good job. Um, it means we're doing things right on Scoop Duck, on the podcast. Um, if you're coaching, if you're Mario Cristobal and you're having the success you're having, clearly USC now wants part of that. They go and, and, and pay Dante Williams big money. Yes. Um, hire a graphics <laughs> assistant from Oregon down to USC. You know, both moves that, that they should make. Um, I mean, I, I believe it feels like to me, you know, Jimmy Lake has really done his best to try and, and copycat what Oregon's doing in his short time as head coach at Washington. No doubt. These aren't things where you get jealous about or angry about. It's like, yeah, of course you want to copy us. We're doing it right. You know, and I think, uh, like you said, UNLV saw enough out of a Royal offensively probably figured in the couple years he spent with Mario Cristobal he'd been able to learn you know what Cristobal is doing from a recruiting standpoint um, from a from putting together a staff from from all those things and uh, it seems like Arroyo is definitely caught on at the very least hasn't coached a game yet but hired a really good staff uh, finished recruiting fairly well and uh, it just seems like he's brought a pretty good energy to that program already yeah yeah, and you mentioned Jimmy Lake. Yeah, let's talk about this for a minute. Arroyo has the energy. That's oh, yeah. why he resonates with recruits. That's why Cade Millen, when, when the Ducks signed Cade Millen, he says this was Arroyo. Right. When the Ducks signed Butterfield, he says, "Hey, Arroyo's my guy." Quarterbacks, especially, they loved Marcus Arroyo. He's got that energy. Yeah, Jimmy Lake. I think he sees Marcus's energy and he sees Mario's energy. And he's trying to copy it. Yeah. I don't know if he has that. I don't know if he can do what those guys do every day. It kind of comes off fake. It really does. And I'm not going to sit here and make this a we hate Washington. Everything they do is wrong. It just doesn't. It, it's it, here's what it feels like to me. It feels like he's trying too damn hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I guess here's my problem. When you're a when you're a first year head coach, when you're a, at a major program like Washington or Oregon or wherever, you really need to just shut the F up and do your job. You know what I mean? You need to not worry about projecting and, and worry about, oh, we're the number one, you know, when he was spouting off about having the number one class and kind of look silly doing it. Look, it's there's no, I, I don't have any problem with somebody trying to hype their program a little bit. It just seems like he's trying too damn hard. And it's really hard to take him seriously when you just, 
I don't know. He could be a great head coach. He could be a terrible head coach. We literally have no idea. Mm-hmm. At least at this point, Mario Cristobal has kind of earned the right, you know, to maybe be a little bit more vocal and, and do some of those things. I just some of the coaching hires that that he's made so far really have my head scratching. I'm I'm really I'm not sold. He's the guy, but you know, he he might totally prove me wrong. We'll see. Can we'll we see. talk about the guy Jimmy lost this week? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's it's been it's been uh, it's been rough up there. You know, or, uh, Oregon was had Oregon has a pretty good uh, recruiting staff now, but I know that's an area Mario would like to continue to expand. You know, so obviously or- Oregon was able to lure away one of their recruiting personnel, uh, Cooper Petania, uh, and he's now at Oregon. So we'll see how that works for him. Um, I think the good news there is you still have your main two guys and Ken Sanders and Thomas Arenz at Oregon. So you're just adding another piece. You're not having to replace somebody. So that's that's fairly nice. And and I know Oregon lost a, an editor, Alex Verdugo, down to USC, photo editor. Good guy, energetic young man. But um, honestly, editors are, are a dime a dozen. You see some dang good edits that are made for free on Twitter. So, I mean, that's certainly something if you're paying somebody, they can sit in an office and, and do that all day long. So right. definitely not a pivotal piece losing there. Not not in the sense of, like, say, Colorado hiring Andy Avalos or something abysmal in that nature. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Just just the fact that you can joke about that on this pod, that's a little scary to me. Well, I mean, I can joke about it, but, I mean, who really knows? Uh, you know, his name certainly, you know, certainly popped up there. I think uh, – I know we talked about this before we jumped on. It seems like Colorado's got a couple bigger fish they're going after. Um, you know, I know you updated me a little bit thinking that Bienemy sounds like he won't take the job, probably that, stay with Kansas City. That's what I've read from, like, Pro Football Talk and, and some of the NFL sites gotcha. that I read. I, I, I mean, I, I – I think he's in a he's in a real difficult position where you have a really good thing in, going in KC. I mean, when you, Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, yes, you know Andy Reid's an offensive guru. Whether you're calling plays or not, you're at least there and learning from him. You know, somebody who's a master. I think at some point somebody in the NFL will give him his shot, um, but it's also hard to turn away bigger money and the chance to be your own man at at Colorado, which he could do. So it's. You know, it's the name of the game. You're trying to advance your career always in, as a as a college coach or an NFL coach. So there's just so many different variables there. I guess the good thing is you've always got to be fluid and ready to move. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's coaching 101. Oh yeah. I, I remember Mario talking about that in his uh, his opening press conference when they hired him about how he was gearing up his kids to move all across the country and, you know, his wife and putting up all the sacrifice that they do as a family. Right. Because that's what you do when you're a coach. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that's constant sacrifice. I mean, you know, I'm sure uh, folks listening to us that have been in the military have probably, you know, gone through some of that. I know that's, yeah. you know, very much a part of that life as well. Uh, military life moving around every few years. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I just wonder if Colorado strikes out enough. Maybe I know they were going to go after Brett Bielema. I don't know what the situation there is, but I have heard Andy Avalos's name attached to that. Potentially, you got to think he's in the top three or four. I know we, we talked about this earlier, you and I did anyways, before we start recording, but I think we're one year away and we're going to find out if Andy Avalos wants a head coaching job or if he wants to stay at D.C., I think he's going to get an offer next year that makes it might make it hard for him to turn down, and then you're really going to fi- figure out what you got. I strongly agree. In fact, I was surprised that he he didn't leave this year. When I think about 
if you had told me in the middle of the year, right, a Ducks assistant will become the next head coach of UNLV, I would have said Avalos. Right. Yeah. No, I make. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, a lot of you know, he's a strong defensive mind, and he's a great recruiter. Uh, very likable. Very very easy to talk to. Um, I, I think it's a matter of time. And, you know, I know I've, I've kind of said, I think, man, he, there's a chance maybe he stays as a D.C. and just kind of is a lifer wanting to be able to coach ball and do that kind of stuff. But, I mean, he's going to he'll probably have to turn away some big money in order to do that at some point. Yeah. And and I look at it from from this angle, played at Boise State. Yeah. Coached at Boise State and coached well. Yeah. And you don't leave that kind of situation crafting a winner at your alma mater unless you really believe you need to climb the ladder elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of decision you make when you know I want to be a head coach someday. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it certainly, it certainly could be that that way. Hopefully, I know Oregon fans are hearing this going. Don't talk about Andy leaving. I tell you what, right. if Andy Avalos leaves, it means he's done a hell of a job at Oregon coaching defense. And let's face it, at this point, Mario Cristobal's done an exceptional job with hires. I'm not saying the next one will be as good as Andy Avalos, but I'm I feel pretty confident sitting here right now, looking three steps ahead of some somewhere we're at right now. Saying, yeah. "Hey, you know what? Andy Avalos gets a head coaching job. Good for him. Take it. Mario Cristobal will make another great hire." Yes. Yeah. Long list of of proven examples where Mario Cristobal gets it right. I want to loop back on Colorado real quick yeah. with you. If you were making the hire there, who would you go after? Man, Colorado's unique, and so I know we talked about this a little bit. Everybody's everybody seems okay. I'll, several people are making a big deal of the amount of money that Michigan State threw at Mel Tucker to pull him from Colorado. Look, I think Colorado did an, an exceptional job getting Mel Tucker to come in the first place. It was a good hire. Um, it was a smart hire. You went and took a, a proven DC and brought him. And he started doing things the right way. Colorado is maybe a step above Boise State in terms of where it lands on the ladder. It's not a big job. I like Colorado. I think it's a beautiful campus. I think you could do some things there, but you have no talent around you. You're constantly going down to Texas or into California, or you're moving all over trying to find talent and bring it to Colorado. Right. It's similar to Oregon in that similar way. Similar to Oregon. Very similar to Oregon. And, 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 and actually, you might even have less resources. I mean, you're just in another part of the world. I mean, at least Oregon is just above California. You can dip down there. You know, Oregon, uh, Washington, state of Washington usually has some guys you can pull down from there. You know, Oregon can get, um, you know, when you, when you count California, Oregon can get seven eight, nine guys in any class from neighboring states there in Washington and California. I don't know that Colorado can do that. I mean, you're having to, you're having to go into Arizona. You're having, but anyways, my point is, I just don't know that they have the big budget. Michigan state has a bigger budget as they have to and need to and should, because they're kind of a college blue blood in my mind. They haven't been that good for a while, but um, I mean, that's an elite, that's an elite program. Um, No wonder they could, they had the money for Mel Tucker as for who Colorado goes next, I think you got to. I think you look at a guy like Brian Harshin at Boise State, see if he wants to make that jump, proven winner. I don't think it's a huge jump, but I think it's a it's a moderate jump. You're into Pac-12 ball, so it's a little better football, a um, little bit more money. 
I heard Brett Bielema's name attached there. I think that would be a great hire for them, at least for Colorado. I don't know that it's a great hire per se, but I think it's a great hire for them. And then, uh, you know, you start looking around. There's guys like Bob Stoops and some other guys sitting out there that aren't coaching anywhere right now. You start seeing if anybody of them want back in the game, Yeah, in my opinion. I, I, Stoops makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I know he's retired, and by all accounts, he's – you know, kicking back, really enjoying it. Right. But Colorado used to be in the Big 12. Yeah. Colorado used to battle Oklahoma every year. Right. I think he might really know them in kind of a know-your-enemy way. He knows what makes them tick as a program and how to get them up. I like that idea. Yeah. I mean, I think it'd be a great hire, even if he came back. And ultimately kind of acted in a CEO type manner, just hired some really good coordinators and let them, you know, run the show for the most part, call plays and do all that. He's going to be, you know, as we've praised Mario Cristobal for being a really good CEO, I think Bob Stoops going to be a really good CEO of understanding the big picture of football and understanding the little things that, you know, uh, getting a strength staff and doing all these other little things you've got to do as a successful head coach. Does he want to come back? Who knows? But let's face it, you know, three, three and a half million dollars a year. That says a lot, at yeah. least in my opinion. Yeah, I think I couldn't turn that money down. No. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if you're Colorado, uh, as much as I like Mel Tucker, I think you're going to really want to go. Uh, I think you're going to want to make a push for somebody that's offensive minded. It, it That really kind of seems to fit what Colorado's done in the past decade or so. It's always been kind of an offensive minded school. Um, Mel Tucker made sense because of his resume, but I, 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 I love Darren Cheverini, the wide receiver coach at Colorado. I know he's the interim head coach, but going from a wide receiver coach to the head coach is a massive jump. Yeah. I'm not saying that's a bad hire, bad hire. That's definitely a guy that loves Colorado football. And I really respect that. And he's a terrific recruiter, but that is a massive step up. I, I just like, I thought Jimmy Lake was a pretty big step up from, you know, going from a position coach to a defensive co-DC for a year to head coach. Those are some really big jumps, and you're skipping a lot of steps along the way that, yes. that you have to learn. You just yeah. have to learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mario Cristobal, I think, as as confident as he is, mm-hmm. and he should be because he has a Pac-12 title in the trophy case, Right. this is a guy that would not have succeeded at Oregon unless he had that trial by fire in his first head coaching job. Yeah. Would not have succeeded at Oregon unless he had that experience at Alabama under Nick Saban. Coaches learn so much along the way. Oh, yeah. And you've got to be a position coach, then you got to be a coordinator, then you got to be a head guy. Otherwise, it's just too much. Like yeah. you, you use the term CEO. Think about the size of the staff at Clemson. Right. Yeah. Dabo yeah. is not calling every play, you know, scripting every play in practice, teaching these guys how to run it. Dabo is running a staff that yeah. runs all of that. Right. That's football CEO. That's what these guys have to be at these major programs. And you might be a uh, a good coach. You might have a lot of potential. Right. But receiver coach to head coach, that's just way too far of a gulf. Yeah, I mean, I, do you do you understand how to you know basically work with the academic staff about all your players and and about all your recruits that you're bringing in? Do you understand what the nutrition staff is trying to do with your players? Do you understand what your strength and conditioning staff is trying to do with your players? There are so many things. I'm not saying you can't get it, but until you've at least done it or watched somebody do it, 
those are some pretty, I mean, it's just so much. And those are just a few things, you know, talking, you know, you got to talk with alumni, you got to talk with NFL scouts, you've got to deal with media, you've got to deal with the athletic director and a budget for your staff and for your recruiting staff and for your own salary. I mean, just list goes on and on. There are so many little things that, you know, we probably take for granted and all we're really grading these guys on at the end of the day is where their recruiting classes rank and what their record is at the end of the season. But there's a lot of work that goes into those two things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if there wasn't, I don't think we'd be talking right now. Yeah, no. I mean, we'd be doing it, right? Yeah, anybody <laughs> would do it. No. I don't know that I'd – man, you know, those guys are working seven days a week, 11 months a year, you know what I mean, 15, 16 hours a day in the office. I mean, it's pretty it's – pretty, it's pretty grueling. I'm yeah. not going to lie. Yeah. I, I don't mind working hard, but there's definitely a limit. You've you've talked about this before. We're in the middle of the off season, so I I, I think we can talk about this, and it's not going to detract from anything else yeah. we do. Players have video games there in the uh, in the building there. Oh yeah. How do the coaches unwind? You know, uh, most of the coaches uh, they like to work out. A lot of them like to go work out and kind of just you know do that's just like kind of their area. You know what I mean? Just kind of to let it go. Um, I mean, at least for Oregon, per se, they don't have coaches that are drinker, partier types. That's not really their M.O. Right. Most of them, if they're not working out, they just want to go home and see their family. They do. I mean, you know, like like Keith Hayward, Jim Masterlis. I mean, they're it's like, I just don't want to have my phone. I just don't want to answer my phone. I just want to go home and sit on my couch and see my wife and see my kids or whatever. That is like number one on most. So, I mean. Uh, what's funny is like the signing day dinners, you know, the, whether it's Portland or whether it's Salem or whether it's, you know, uh, Eugene or Medford whatever. party at Lava Lanes, baby. Yeah. But wherever your signing day dinner is, obviously there's coaches there. Most of those coaches are going to go to that signing day dinner. As soon as it's done, they're on an airplane that night going to Hawaii or going to wherever to get the F out of there. And I'm not joking. I'm not, I, love that. I am not exaggerating there. When that thing is done, they're taking a red eye with their family anywhere but Eugene. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just that's just what and I don't blame them. Um, you know, that, that's what they do. I know those guys only had about five or six days and they were back in the offices last week. Yeah. So it's just I mean, take take advantage while you can. College football. Two yeah. things I love about that. Number one, family culture. Yeah. Oregon's got it. Number two, these coaches aren't just sitting back at Taylor's. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. Um, de- <laughs> definitely not. No, I know. I mean, Mario, he's not a big drinker. I'd, I'd be surprised if he has more than a, a handful of glasses of wine in a year. You know what I mean? Right. Very, 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 very casual. Um, again, just. Uh, I would expect nothing less from a guy who wanted to be a presidential bodyguard. Right. Yeah. But I, it, it's got to be really hard to unwind when you know it's got it it has to be really hard to take yourself out of that when you're in that mode all the time of recruiting you know game planning uh developing players doing you know all day seven days a week it's got to be really hard to detract yourself from basically something you're you, you know it's a habit it's what you're doing every day it's just like you know you with your tea bags like we were talking about it's hard for you to not fill it up all the way to the top because it's your habit right it's, it's just what i do i've done it this way and that's you know so it's got to be hard to remove yourself from work um a lot of those guys are, are constantly doing i mean look at dante williams he got out of oregon did a signing day dinner and you know in those few days that he was off from oregon signed a deal with usc so he never really took time off um and that's what happens too 
So it's yeah, but yeah, like you said, we're in the off season. But I wrote my first spring ball article today. Oh right, because they just announced the schedule. Well, yeah, they're gonna start on March fifth. So here we are. What are we? What what, like uh, we're three weeks away? Yes. Yeah, I mean less less than that. Yeah, less than that. Two weeks basically. Yeah, like two two and a half weeks. Uh, is March? I want to say March third is a. Tuesday or Wednesday? Yeah. Could oh, be March 2nd. Well, yeah, March 5th, the day they start is a Thursday. March 4th is a Wednesday. So, yeah, two two weeks and a day from today. Yeah. I can't do it's the math in, in my it's head insane. right now. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's what that's what I've been saying all along. You know, you, you go in and you go with the early signing period, which is big. That's the end of the college football season. You go into January and there's a little bit of activity in January with recruiting, some activity with coaching matters. Uh, and then you go into the second signing day, early February. Uh, you're also, you know, the, the the last college football game somewhere in the in the later part of, of January, uh, the uh, the championship. And it's like, guys, you can't just like take off anymore. I mean, we've already had a coaching change occur just in the couple of weeks from the last signing day to now, right? Uh, with Dante Williams leaving and, and Coach Chance getting hired. So, and now we're already talking about two weeks from now. We're starting spring ball. That's crazy to me. It is crazy. Is there anything you want to talk about as we we kind of set the scene for spring ball? I just uh, so I did a piece today before we did this. It was kind of my big storylines or questions on offense, um, and I'll do another one on defense, and then I'll kind of break into them a little bit more detailed. But I think when I look at the offensive side of the ball right now, there's just a lot of questions. I mean, a lot of questions. And you, you know, you could start the quarterback, and you got Tyler Shuck who I believe will be the starter. There's no reason he shouldn't be. But you have no idea what you have behind him. You have, you know, Millen, who's been hurt, um, very unproven. Maybe he's still in in a developmental phase. Um, You've got Butterfield, who's on campus now. We have no idea what, you know, what he's made of. Um, And we might not even know when spring ball is done because you've got Robbie Ashford that comes in June and will be there for, uh, for fall ball. You know, how does he move? I don't know that there's a lot of question mark at running back. You still got that whole stable of backs. Um, you're going to add Trey Benson, but it, you know there's not really much there. For me, it's wide receiver. I, I still think Oregon's really missing that Dylan Mitchell type production from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ten touchdowns and, and over a thousand yards. Um, you know, last year Johnny Johnson did really well. Had a, a had an amazing couple of games and still was in the 800s as far as his reception yards go. And I think he finished with seven touchdowns. I want to say I'm really close there. Good production, but that's not a guy you count on as wide receiver one at this point. No, no. You're looking for somebody that does two things. Third down, yeah, they got to be your safety valve. Right. Right. That's the first thing. Right. Quarterback has to trust them, make those big catches when you need to move the sticks. But the other thing, from a play design standpoint, you need that player that is going to get the defense to react. Yeah, you got to get them back. You got to push them back. Right. You got to get somebody that takes the top off the defense. And I, I think, I think Devin Williams might be that guy. I mean, transfer coming in looks looks great out of high school. We think he could be the guy, but you don't know. Um, you know, will Bank of Pittman take that next step? Lance Woolhoyt and Jerron Waters were hurt last year. They were very promising coming out of high school. You know that that's a really big one. Um, tight end is just, I, I, tight end could be absolutely phenomenal yes or it could be much of what we experienced last year yeah see i think tight end 
is going to be a lot like the way receiver was this last year, where there's a lot of names, yeah. there's a lot of potential, right? but you don't have someone that consistently fills the vacuum at that position. Yeah, there's no Breeland. Right. Yeah. I, for me, it's, you know, can, can, can McCormick get healthy and stay healthy? That's an X factor for me. That's a guy that's very much capable of putting up Breeland-like numbers. But at this point, just hasn't been able to get and stay healthy. Huge unknown. So that's an X factor. DJ Johnson moves over. What do we know there? I mean, you know, is complete wild card. Yeah. I mean, what I wrote today is I think there's a guy that might get through the spring learning that position and then in the fall maybe takes that next step. You know, it's it's not very realistic to expect him to switch over to tight end and be an instant guy because he's a great athlete. He is a great athlete. But he's got to learn the position. Yeah. Um, you, he's got to get the reps this spring. He's got to understand the offense. He's got to do all those things, learn how to block, do a lot of things he's probably hasn't worked a lot of time on. Could be a dude. Who knows? Patrick Herbert. We don't know. I mean, he got bigger, looked bigger. Is he ready for the big time yet? I mean, yeah. that's, you know. See, that's that's one of my big questions for the year. You know me. I'm, I'm the world's biggest Patrick Herbert fan. Right. Saw him absolutely tear up in high school football here for four years. Yep. I think he can play at the college level, and I think he can play well. He just hasn't played yet. Yeah, we don't so know. We don't know. We don't know. And, and then you got Spencer Webb. He's moved around from receiver to tight end. What do you got there? I don't know. I don't know what you got. I'm, I'm sincerely asking a question. Um, and then you got offensive line. Uh, obviously, tons of question marks just like tight end. I mean, both those groups, you got you're gonna you're gonna have uh, four new starters. On the offensive line, Panay Sewell's got his spot. You don't know who's hiking the football, which is one of the three most important positions on the field. Yes. Um, I I still don't know that we'll get that many answers coming out of the spring. I think Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal will work through seven, eight guys really trying to find that perfect blend of five, the most efficient blend, you know, your first guy off the bench. You've got a lot of versatility, but I think you've got to figure out who's going to be hiking the football for you, and you've got to work from there. And it's just, again, spring ball starts in Mitch in March, early March, excuse me. It ends April 18th. So you're talking about a month and a half, and you still take a couple weeks off. You've only basically got about four weeks of football, and you're not even playing every day to try and figure this out. That's not a big sample size. It's going to be pretty vanilla. My last part about that was how far do they get with the offense? New offensive coordinator, new quarterback, almost new offensive line. You can't just go and say, okay, here's everything. Good luck. Right, right. Like that and that out of everything I thought, I'm so glad you went there. I was going to ask you about this. Brand new OC. Mm -hmm. And just like everybody, he probably took a little time off. Yeah. You know, unwind, relax with the family. Gets back in. Players are doing the same thing. And they got classes too. We all forget. Student athlete. How much of this offense are they really going to know? Yeah. I mean, let, let's face it. I, I, we don't know. Uh, you know, so here's the thing. Uh, spring practices used to be open for the first 20, 30 minutes or whatever. Um, and my guys have always gone. Mario Crisball has kind of started to close down practice and only made players and coaches available to media after practice. So, A, we don't know if, we don't know if media is going to be allowed to see the first 20 or 30 minutes. Even if they are. What are you seeing? You're right. seeing guys stretching. doing jumping jacks, stretching, running around, catching a few balls on air. 
not on air, but catching a few balls, you know, running down, just running a simple route from a quarterback, getting warmed up. You're not seeing anything. Um, and, and we can make the make a big deal about that. It, even if Mario Cristobal shuts it down, what are we missing? We're missing, you know, who was hurt that day and who wasn't practicing and, right. and, and who threw a couple of nice spirals, you know, at the end of the day. And Mario's been pretty honest about injuries and stuff, so we're not really missing that element. He'll usually answer that after. But in that time frame, I, and even in the spring game, I think everybody's going to go to the spring game excited, wanting to see the offense, wanting to see, you know, more heads offense, what it'll look like. And here's the deal. You're not going to see anything different than you saw last year. Nope. <laughs> There's no reason to. It's going to be absolutely vanilla. You're going to see run up the middle, simple out pass, just nothing. You're not yes. going to see anything. Yes. You're going to see receivers drop passes. Yep. You're going to see linemen miss blocks. Yep. You're going to see screens that get blown up. You're going to see penalties. Yeah. Because it's spring ball. Yeah. Your biggest takeaways will be who looks bigger and stronger and faster on the football field and who's injured. Right. I mean, honestly, that's really your takeaways, especially with the way they split up the teams and everything. It reminds me of two years ago when – Mario has Arroyo, and everybody wants that offense to open up. Everybody wants that offense to be a little more electric, right? Right. And I remember watching the spring game, and Herbert is aiming these just bombs in play action passes. Right. And guys are dropping them. Right. And we're trying to figure out, okay, who's the best receiver after the spring game? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody yeah. kept dropping them. Yeah. And, and uh, it'll you know you'll see three plays in the spring game. I would imagine their plays Oregon ran last year, so it's probably not even going to be anything new. Um, they're certainly not going to show any new formations. They're not going to do anything to give North Dakota State film or to give Ohio State film. There's no reason to. So uh, I just I think we will have – here's the deal. Whatever questions I wrote about having on offense today, I'm not sure we'll have any answers come April 18th. Yeah, and all that said, I just want to say, because we just rained on the parade that is the spring game. <laughs> go. You go. Yeah, Please go. Fun. Spring the, game's a blast. The weather right now is gorgeous, yeah. and we're still in February. So yep. what's that tell you about April? Yeah. What's that tell you about Eugene in April? It's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And and I know every year, I think it's amazing how the university coordinates this. Last couple years, they go spring game, follow up with either softball at the Jane right. or baseball at PK. Right. Every year. Yeah. Yeah, and they've, and they've moved the game back. You know, the game, I think, started at 11 before noon or something is back to two now so the game uh, the baseball or softball game might be before the spring but you can double down and yeah. and the football game's free so you take your family it's free drop a couple of uh, you know canned food on your way in yes. and, and you're and you're good they don't even check so you can walk in without the canned food if you have to um nice weather like you said and for me like when i go if i go to the spring game and i have my kids it's nice to go and not worry about like getting up in the middle of the game and missing a play or miss. You know, it's like get up and walk around. Right. And you miss a play; it's a big deal. And go explore Autzen Stadium. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, and you're in the, only in there about ninety minutes because they run the clock in the second half. So, uh, anyways, yeah, go to the spring game. But again, I think people that set their expectations to know, hey, we're gonna know what Joe Moorhead's offense is gonna look like in the spring game. We're gonna know who the starting five are on offensive line. You know, we're going to know how good Devin Williams is. I just think there's going to be so many questions as we enter fall, you know, that that are that we're not going to get answered in the spring game, which yeah. is fine. That's okay. Totally. Yeah. Keep developing those guys. As Mario preaches, football is a developmental sport. Keep developing those guys. And unfortunately, 
unfortunately, the spring period is not long enough to develop those guys enough. It hey, just isn't. Hey, uh, one more thing. Th- since we're on a spring game tangent, yeah, talking Jimmy Lake too. Oh yeah, everybody's got to go to that game too. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, see, it's funny to me. Chris Peterson is like, ah, I don't care. Yeah, didn't matter. Right. Jonathan Smith, same deal. Right. Like it doesn't matter. They right. didn't even have. They didn't even. Uh, I, I know this because I'm an Oregon State radio affiliate here. Yeah. The Ducks give us a radio feed every year, and we carry it, and sure. I know people listen to it. Oh, yeah. It's crazy that they tune in on the radio to the spring game, but they do. Right. I asked Oregon State last year. I'm like, hey, are you guys doing this? No. Hell no. Why would we? Yeah. We're and not I, even opening the bathrooms. We don't care. Right. <laughs> right. And I remember watching it on TV, and I'm watching Tristan Jevia just throw at guys' ankles all day. Right. And uh, that's going to be a disaster this fall. Yeah. And anyway. Um, and then you understood why they don't. You, you could count 50 <laughs> people in the stands at right. Reeser. Right. It was no. embarrassing. Yeah. And that's the rest of the Pac-12. So I, I think it's really funny. Because Oregon gets like twenty or thirty thousand people, and they yeah. get all the radio affiliates involved, yep. and they get Yogi doing the feature on Pac-12 Network every year. Yep. Now Washington wants to they pack want the stands for the spring game. Yep. How about that? Yeah. Wonder yeah. where Jimmy got that idea from. I will. I will be curious to see, you know, what that because ne- let's face it. I mean, you and I are pretty fortunate down here in Medford. Uh, a mid-April day. We'll just call it a mid-April day. We're probably going to have decent weather. It feels like a mid-April Knock, day. Yeah, it feels like it today. Freaking gorgeous, But man. as you get a little, you know, Eugene might be a little more dicey. It might be slightly overcast, but but potentially dry, or the sun could come out for the spring game, knock on wood. You get up to Seattle, it's going to be real dicey. You're probably yeah. just hoping it doesn't rain yeah. on that day. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about totally different environments for trying to get people out. I understand when it's an actual football game. And it's raining, people will go. But for a spring game, a lot of people are going to be like, man, I don't want to go out there and get wet. No, watch, no. Watch a bunch of backups. If I'm going to go, if I lived in Seattle and it's April, I'm going to go to the Mariners game right across the oh, street. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. Go check out the Mariners. Yeah, go do something like that. Or go watch uh, uh, MLS should be on by then. So you go watch Sounders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go see a Portland, uh, Portland-Seattle match. That'd oh, be something. Yeah, it's always something. But yeah, uh, so spring game, that's spring ball. Um, I mean, putting a, I guess putting a bow on this sucker, uh, Oregon softball. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, let's talk. Let's talk hoops. We got to talk spring hoops sports. Too, yeah. yeah. Let's play some basketball. So I don't know about you, but Thursday night, Oregon men whooping on Colorado. Yeah. I felt like this is the team I've wanted to see all year. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess for me, I'm trying to think of the words. I feel like they got better that night, and I feel like we saw the difference in Oregon having a big man. Is Francis Okoro going to carry more Oregon basketball? Absolutely not. He's not going to. He's not an offensive force. But his presence on the interior and defense, his presence at least helping maybe get an occasional offensive rebound, it's huge. And, right. and you know, Dante would be a similar impact if he can come back. I do feel, and, and I, I felt for a while, that ha- just having no true big man at all really hurt Oregon the past, like, you know, three weeks or so. And I think getting a Coro back was, was a big push there. I, I, want, I want, like, the kid in me wants to get excited and think that Oregon's going to make the Dana Altman turn and finish February and hit March on a streak, which you which you do like to go for. That's always great to yeah. be peaking at the right time. 
I'm still not sure that the, I, I don't know. It's yeah. just like the, this week will be very telling as good as Will Richardson was. It's like I'm not fully ready to count on him on a week to week basis. Mm -hmm. Now, does he do some great things? Absolutely. And it, he had a great week last week. But to count on him in the same manner that you count on Peyton Pritchard, I, I just don't think he's there yet. Yeah. And you still don't know if Dante's coming back. And, and again, Okoro gives you something, but there's just not enough there to make this that team. I don't know. I just, I mean, I love the way Peyton Pritchard's playing basketball, though. Holy smokes. It's a it's a powder keg system to me. Last year, Dana Altman did a very similar thing, and he said, screw it. Yeah. I've got one big, one guard. I'm going to have three wings, and we're just going to play really crazy defense right. and score in transition. Right. And that worked. Yeah. This year, he doesn't have those wings. Right. He doesn't have a guy like a Kenny Wooten either that can just be a human block party. Yeah. But what he has is a hustler big guy in a Coro right. who, in, in the system Dana built last week, I thought really had a lot of room to operate for guards and him. Yes. That means he gets to roam the paint and, right. and do what he wants. And when you have four guards, I thought the beauty of what they did was – it took a lot of pressure off of Pritchard. Yeah. All of a sudden now he doesn't have to be the only guy driving into the lane and and you know making something happen. Right. He can whip the ball out to the wing or to the corner and they can get some ball screens going and they can get some pick and pop game going where guys are driving and then backing out and you've got the speed there on the outside to slice open some of these defenses. Yeah. Yeah, or or you know you can drive and you have somebody to dish to. You know, if 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 a Coro's guy comes to you to help, you know whoever was Garden Pritchard, you can dish to a Coro. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot of things you can do there. Um, it, it's uh, and C.J. Walker, he's a guy that kind of you know keeps getting better a little bit at a time, and then Chandler, you know, seems to be getting a little bit better too. So I mean, there's pieces there. I, I just I I don't know. It's uh. I'm I'm hoping I'm optimistic. I mean, it's it's different than the girls. The girls give me I have utmost oh, I, confidence in the girls. You don't but, need to hope with yeah, the Oregon ladies. Yeah, you know no. the Oregon ladies are going to kick ass and take names. Yeah, no, they they are they are they are on a they are on a path right now. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think the men are getting better, but I think they are they are they are what they're going to be. I think they're going to be an above 500 team. That can beat some good teams, but also has nights where you're like, hmm, okay. I just think they're going to be that team, and that's okay. Let's switch gears here, yeah. because you got me on a fun tangent, talking Oregon women's hoops. Oh, yeah. We've had Kelly Graves on the show a couple times. Yep. The next time we get Kelly, is he going to be wearing a championship ring? <sighs> yeah, I mean... Uh... <sighs> I thought last year they had a, a, a pretty good shot at, at winning a championship. Obviously, you know they did. They went pretty far. Man, this year I just it, it almost it, it seems as though they they really turned the corner this year and have that extra little oomph in their game. That's just like, yeah, we're not going to be denied this no. year. It just really feels that way. UCLA was a top ten team. Yes, UCLA top ten. And I listened to the press conference Kelly gave before they flew down to L.A. He gave that team all the respect in the world. Yeah. They were good. They were not going to look past them. They were not going to sleep on them. They were going to give the Ducks everything. Right. And, and the Ducks knew it. 
and they drilled him. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, you know, Sabrina's locked in, but I mean, Ruthie's locked in. Yes. And, and you, you know, I think you, you really added a very important piece in more and her defensive abilities there just really to keep the other team from getting, you know, fast break points and, you know, transition points that, that I think hurt Oregon at times last year. I just think you've done, you've done so much with the team and, and, and they're just, I mean, they're, they're veterans, they're seniors, they're laser focused, they're locked in. This is, this is a very consistent team. It wouldn't hurt my feelings one bit if they lost a game here between now and the tournament and kind of got that final wake-up call. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wouldn't hurt my feelings. Who cares if you enter at, at number 10 in the country or number three in the country? It doesn't matter. Right. Once you're in the tournament, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're just, you're, you got to win no matter what. So, uh, but I, I'm not sure they're going to lose one. They're looking pretty darn good. I, I feel that way. And, and it's crazy because the Pac-12 is loaded. Yes. Like the Pac-12 is real. The women's basketball Pac-12 is really good. Yes. Yes. We want to make fun of this conference. I said this last year, too. Easy to make fun of this conference when you only get two teams in for hoops every year. Or, yeah. you know, you have you have a Washington team that gets drilled in the playoff if they even make the playoff. Uh, an Oregon team that makes it to the Rose Bowl, misses the playoff, things like that. But on the women's side, yeah, best softball conference in the country by far. Yeah. Best basketball conference in the country, I think. Track and field, cross country, you yeah. know those are the best. Volleyball, yeah. you know it's the best. Yeah. They they dominate. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It's really crazy to think about that. But yeah, no, it's uh it's great. Uh, you know, I, I'm just excited that over the course of the next three weeks, we'll call the course of the next three weeks, you've got, you know, basketball you know, working towards the the, the final there, hit, heading towards the Pac-12 tournament. And at that time, spring football starts. So you kind of hit that golden triangle of, of spring sports action, if you will. Yeah. And, and track and field's going, too. I'm not trying to take away from that. No, yeah. no. Best track program in the country is yeah. getting going, too. And, and softball's kicking butt. We're going to find out a little bit more about softball this coming week, though. Yeah. The Nutter Butter Classic or whatever they're playing in. It's uh, Notre Dame and Mississippi State. They'll play Notre Dame, Mississippi State, and both those teams are very solid. So. I'll say this about Melissa Lombardi. Recruiting is phenomenal. Yeah. And the scheduling that they do. like I, Because I'm pretty sure softball isn't like football. Right. Where in football, you're booked a decade out. Yeah, right, right. right. Like Mario Cristobal can't say, hey, I want a harder schedule this year. Right. Rob will go. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll get you a harder schedule in 2033. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think in softball, I know women's hoops is this way. In softball, I think these coaches have a lot more flexibility year to year. Absolutely. And she's taking advantage of it. They are running a gauntlet this month. They are going to test themselves, and they'll be a lot better in Pac-12 play because of it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think with softball especially – uh, you know, unlike football, you're not looking for those early season tune-ups. You're looking for that early season competition. And I believe that applies in baseball, too, not just to put it on softball. Totally different. You're looking for, okay, where are we, where are we weak at? Is, how's our pitching? How's our closing? How's our, you know, how's our base running? How's our, you know, how's, how's our batting? Do I need to move somebody up, move somebody down? You're looking for those areas, and you don't learn a lot when you go out and beat some 10-run rule somebody right. in the fourth inning, you know. So... Uh, yeah, I, I like that, and uh, I'm excited about softball. Uh, you know, baseball is, uh, looks like they're still kind of figuring some things out a little bit, but I think I think Waz is going to end up being a, a total stud for Oregon, a total stud hire. So, uh, and they've got some really promising young pieces there on baseball. So we'll see if they can kind of keep that going. Yeah, from from what I've gathered, 
you have Yovan. Mm-hmm. You know he's almost always a W right. when he's on the mound. And I like the uh, the lineup that they have. I, I really believe in some of the young guys that they have, especially that sophomore class. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, Pac- Pac-12 could be weird this year in baseball. Could be weird, yeah. Like Oregon State. Right. I thought Oregon State was going to be really good right out of the gates. Yeah. And uh, so far... You're looking at a team. I thought the pitching would be really great. The hitting would suck. The hitting has been pretty good. The yeah. pitching has sucked. So we'll see. You can't take the one thing Oregon State can cling to. Oh, I know. And, and Beaver fans are not <laughs> handling this well. No. If you want, you want to enjoy the Schadenfreude right now, Duck Nation. Beaver fan is not thrilled right now. There yeah. are all of the. You talked about Twitter trolls the other day. Oh yeah. Of of Husky fan yeah. has their like Twitter subset. I know, I know, like two of them on the Husky side because QB eleven is always right. jabbing with them, and yeah. I, I love his interactions. But uh, I know a bunch of them on the Beaver side, right? And those guys, like Angry Beavs and the Beaver recruiting guy and the Hawaiian guy, uh, they are just going nuts right now. Yeah, they right. do not like this right no, now. He took took the one thing they had away from them. The baseball school is not doing great <laughs> at baseball. Go figure. But yeah, so. Uh, Anyways, um, I guess that's a, what do we, yeah, we talked basketball and we talked the baseball, softball, and we yeah. talked some, we even talked some football because yeah, we're getting into it. Um, not much, not much to do in terms of recruiting just because we're kind of in that period here, but that's a good uh, thing. Yeah. I mean, Oregon will have a junior day in early March. I, I want, I'm going off memory. I believe it's March 7th, um, which would be their second spring practice. If again, all this is all off memory and my memory is really short. So I think that's right. Um, so we'll get us we'll get a uh, we'll get a junior day here in a couple weeks and then Oregon will again have a big group of visitors for the spring game that's always a great way for them to to kind of showcase the program and and uh, you know like we talked about getting everybody out there and having that fan support and and having it on TV and all that stuff really helps sell you know the Oregon brand to the recruits that visit for the spring game um, so we'll, we'll ramp up on recruiting a little bit but outside of that I guess that's a wrap. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, thank you for listening. Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, and we'll be back next week. I can do this now.